Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be spoiler free of details from future episodes, but full on spoilers for any episode that we have talked about in the past. I'm Jason and I am here to make my ex-boyfriend eat a baby. Mm. And I am Harrison and I'm pretending to be in love with Darla, but secretly I'm actually in love with Angel. Except that you love both of them. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. you are you are a horn dog. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jason, what episode are we watching today? Harrison, we are watching Angel season two, episode seven, simply entitled Darla. This is the one where we get some Darla backstory, and she starts losing it in the throes of Wolfram and Hart, and Angel's finally able to save her. Or is he? Is he? Uh, Darla was written and directed by Tim Minear, and it originally aired on November 14th, 2000. Tim pulling some double duty this time, mm-hmm. and... Damn it, does he knock it out of the park? He does. Spoiler alert for our reviews. We really like this episode. (laughs) But first, music. Jason, shall I tell you what we're drinking this week? Please do. We are drinking a Vesper, or a Vesper Martini. Um, This is a uh, cocktail. It was originally made of gin, vodka, and kinnalinette. Although, um, apparently, from what I understand, that is no longer a thing that is available. So it's uh, something similar called Lillette Blanc is what's used now. Uh, we were turned on to this, uh, cocktail when we were visiting New Jersey. Um, John's uncle made it for us. Uh, and it's really good. So I had John made it one for tonight. It is named after Vesper Lind, the, uh, like the OG Bond girl, right? Mm-hmm. From the novels. Casino Royale. Um, played by, uh, Eva Gren in Casino Royale, which I have not seen, but, uh, I did. See- you haven't seen it? I've only seen up through, like, what's Connery's last one? Diamonds Are Forever. Yes. I've seen up through Diamonds Are Forever. So you haven't seen any Roger Moore or Timothy Mm -hmm. Dalton? Wow. Because they, I was working through them, and then they stopped being on streaming. Although I do Uh, think a bunch of them are back on streaming, so I should get back into that. I, yeah, in grade school, I was, um... I became obsessed with James Bond and uh, back when renting videos from the store was a thing, uh, we would go to Hollywood video and I was always, I would always try to look for the next Bond movie. Bro, I miss, I, I'm, I'm, I miss uh, going to the video store. If I could be like, if they were like, what's one experience from your childhood you could have back? It'd be Blockbuster. Um, what's Roger Moore's first one? Live and Let Die. I've seen Live and Let Die. Okay. So I've seen up through Live and Let Die. There you go. Is that the one that's kind of racist? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the one. <laughs> uh, anyway, that this is what the cocktail is. Um, so yeah, Jason, would you like to toast us away? 
Uh, yes, of course. Um, this is a drink to all the people who have been working uh, working through some really awful weather conditions mm -hmm. on uh, on the East Coast. And uh, as we're recording this, we're in the next day or two going to get some awful weather as well. So yep. for everybody else to deal with that, but still goes in and. Uh, especially like you know first responders and all those people so yeah here's to you guys cheers oh that's nice yeah i really like it um okay before we get into the episode all right a prompt came into my head oh if you were to be able to spend one week of vacation with a member of the whirlwind uh without fear of being killed by i was about them. to say like because i feel like all of them would eventually want to kill me they won't kill you uh they can't you know like spikes chip or whatever um so this is like their current in their current status um dealer's choice all right or player's choice i guess you, you know whatever which one would you pick and where would you go um Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm very tempted to go with Darla mm -hmm. uh, because I I find her just delightful. Um, I I feel like being with Drusilla alone would drive me insane. Um, I'd want to punch Spike in the face, mm -hmm. and uh, you know it'd be cool hanging out with Angel, but I also feel like he'd just be brooding the whole time. All right, fair. So I feel like that that puts Darla in there. Um, see, at first I thought like, oh, I'd love to like go like you know maybe just a nice little place where we can enjoy the view because she likes she views. Likes the, view. the only problem is like a lot of views that I think of usually involve like sun and stuff like that, and uh, I feel like at this point she's not a huge fan of like just being around people as a human. Uh, so, um. Oh, like Vegas with Darla. Okay. Nightlife. Nice. Because that's probably got to be like one of the better places for a nightlife. Yeah. Okay. I love that answer. Um, it's so funny because I also was thinking Vegas. All right. But I chose Drusilla <laughs> because I'm just thinking Drusilla in Vegas. You just want to see a response to all that stimuli. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I just the wha I, like just the wackiest shit imaginable. I'm sure it would come out of her mouth, and I would just follow her around, follow her lead, whatever she wants to do, and just bask in the nuts of it all. Um, I that came out not how I meant it, but um, you know if it you know if it happens organically, then sure. Um, <laughs> I also thought of maybe like a beach vacation with Darla, um, if we can find a way around the sun problem. You um, have to be in your dreams. Yeah, um, and maybe that's why I was thinking it because I was like, "Damn, she did look good in that in that swimsuit." Yeah. Um, so all right, I don't know why that popped in my head, but I was just thinking like, who would I want to hang out with of these four? I mean, that's not that's not a bad question. It's like, I mean, obviously when you talk about Buffy, you think like, oh. Who in the Scooby Gang is your favorite? And fuck the Scooby Gang. Let's fuck hang out with the Whirlwind. Fuck the Scooby. <laughs> when they're always just saving the world. I know, right? <laughs> Dealing with their like teenage problems yeah. and shit. The God's no fun. No, He's always but... quoting Shakespeare and making wine. 
wrong universe. Uh, but as for dealing with uh, dealing with shit, uh, Angel is actually uh, dealing with all of his feelings for Darla. Dealing with by in drawing several pictures, and you know, Wes is kind of like, hey. I think you might be a little over concerned about all of this. Um, I would like to, I don't know if you noticed this. It's definitely one of those things that like, uh, how to tell, we experienced television in the early 2000s versus how we do now. The drawing of Darla that he's got, beautiful, like well detailed. The ones that are scattered all over the floor, not nearly as good. Um, because clearly they didn't have to be. They weren't going to get the focus. Exactly. Um, except nowadays, you've got assholes on the internet who are scouring every frame. Yeah. Thanks, Lost. <laughs> Don't blame Lost for just bringing out the assholes. Yeah. But that is, Lost really was kind of the the I think the advent of that sort of type of like search for the clues everywhere well i mean yeah that it was like because that's what the show was doing it was kind of the first puzzle box show yeah um and uh people love their puzzle box i do like a puzzle box um yeah and uh wesley's just trying to be like hey you need to like you need to cool it and and just like shut up nerd (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um meanwhile the the object of Angel's obsession, Darla, she's not having a good time because uh, Lindsay visits her room and sees that uh, there's broken glass and pottery everywhere and uh, especially broken mirror. They mm-hmm. Definitely a lot of attention paid to that. And um, I'm not going to lie. At first I thought that maybe she had like, cut her wrist. I thought so too. Um, but it, it, especially with the way that she was holding her hands. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's not the case. Her hands are just bleeding because she was, like, punching through fucking mirrors. Um, and then we get our credits. Credits! And, uh, and we get one of our first surprises of the episode. And that is, uh, we go to 1609. And I, I wonder... I, I'm, and I'm gonna let you finish your thought while, you're, while I'm looking this up. But I'm very curious how they marketed this. If, if they were like, on the special flashback crossover. Um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but, uh, oh yeah, and, the, and in case you guys didn't know from all of our hinting last week, <laughs> uh, this is a this does have a crossover via flashback uh, with the previous episode mm-hmm. of Buffy, which was Fool for Love. Yes. So I do have, I've, I have found the promo, and it does look like it's one promo. Yep. There you go. Yo, if I had seen that, like, if I were watching live and I, like, saw that trailer, I'd be so fucking psyched. Oh, yeah, I would, too. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, um, so we go to uh, the year 1609, and we are actually in the American colony of Virginia. And uh, there is Darla, and she's not in good shape because, uh, well, 
girl was a prostitute and uh, she had the sif and uh, uh, turns out all of the leech bleeding can't help you uh, wow shocked that that wasn't effective but also uh, 1609 but a person nice. <laughs> but a person does come to visit a person who said that he had been invited when um when the uh, when Darla was kind of like singing out for people, um, or she heard him singing out the previous night at her window. Very Dracula. Yes. Um, um, I wonder why it's why it evokes <laughs> memories of Dracula. Uh, but yeah, um, and at first you think, oh, this is a. Pr-. If you don't recognize his voice immediately, you think that I don't know how you can't recognize I, I, that voice immediately. Well, it's been a while. That's true. It That's has true. been a while. Uh, but yeah, the um. It seems like, oh, it's a priest talking to her, like, oh, uh, do you want to save your soul or whatever? And she's like, oh, God has done nothing for me. And uh, so that's when it's revealed that it is the master, Yay. big bad OG. Oh, just just still the biggest drama queen. Yeah. <laughs> Did it sound like at one point that he, like, was doing an Irish accent? Like, it wasn't... I didn't notice... It, it, was like it sounded like it was for like one line, and then he went back to his just regular master voice, and I was like, "It's weird." Like, uh, or, you know, maybe I was hallucinating Irish people. Maybe, I, maybe the trauma of having to listen to David Boreanaz's Irish accent, knowing that was coming, was just <laughs> making I'm me feel really bad. If we've said all this stuff about his Irish accent, turns out that like. That's the thing he's most proud of from his run of Buffy and Angel. I'd be shocked to find that. Also, we are not the first people I to know. make fun of that. I know. But he, he, you know, he's he's one of my guys. He's a, yeah. Um, we 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 tease out of love. <laughs> but yes, and so this is finally like we we knew that Darla was sired by the Master, and now we get to see it. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I do have, there's one thing I would have liked to have seen in this episode, and honestly, I'm not sure where you would, I mean, I know where you would have to put it, but I also think it would probably fuck up the flow. I would love to have seen uh, one more flashback of Darla returning to the master, since we, obviously we know she returns to him at some point. Um, But I also just don't know... how you put that in this episode without it? Yeah, because it, it kind of has to end with that. Yeah. With that, you know, jumping out with a baby flashback. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, in the present, uh, Angel is doing his absolute best to find Darla. He's trying to get um, the team to help him, and he's like, "Come on, guys, we're a detective agency. It's what we do." And, and Cordelia says, "That's what we suck at." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I can't remember what it is, but also at one point Wesley agrees with Cordelia, and Cordelia is like, fucking finally. Yeah, he says Cordelia has a point. Yeah. Um, this is the first time that that's ever happened. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I mean, it's definitely enough for Cordy to celebrate. Yeah. But yeah, and uh, so, and, and you know, uh, Wes has just given up, the, bringing up the usual, you know, your track record with Darla is pretty spotty at best. Yes. Um, Accurate. And, uh, and yeah, and you can kind of see that this is very much becoming a 
it's separating Angel from the group. Mm-hmm. Um, while everybody... And the thing is, though, is that no matter how deep he goes into this, they're still there to try to help him out. Yeah. Uh, espe- but they're definitely concerned. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... With good reason. They've been voicing their concerns for... Basically, since Angel was having sleeping problems. <laughs> what a... What a- what a cute way to put it. <laughs> Sleeping problem. <laughs> he was being mind fucked in his sleep. I do I, I do really love when uh Cordy's uh she's like, you couldn't find her when she was sitting on your lap. <laughs> and she's like, now she could be sitting on anybody's lap. <laughs> I, there's also a cute little detail that Wesley is like suppressing laughter at this and <laughs> It might have just been Alexis Denisoff <laughs> suppressing laughter, but I thought it worked. I thought it was in character. No, for I liked Wesley. it. I liked it. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, Gunn is the one who's keeping his head amongst all this. Yeah. And actually, he's like, "Hey, you know, Wolfman Hart buys up all these properties and stuff. I'm pretty sure that if you look at one of them, you'll find out where she's living." And they're like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Maybe Gunn should be, like, the guy. Right. He should... Well, yes. Obviously, Gunn should be the yeah. guy. I It does make sense, though, that Angel... He, he has or... the least personal exactly. connection to this. So. Wesley and Cordelia have a more emotional stake in it, which, uh, whereas Gunn has the privilege here of being able to think a little more dispassionately about the mm-hmm. situation. Because he's, you know, he's newer. He's not as close to the situation. But, uh... But what happens is that, uh, so Angel does say, like, oh, she'll want a view, um, which is his contribution to that. Uh, <laughs> Cordy's right. They're not great detectives. <laughs> but, I mean, in the end, she, she does. They, they yeah, get the job done. Yeah, <laughs> in the end, she does, like, say that that helps. Or she emphasized that that's something that, like, she was looking for. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, so let's go back, though, to 1760. Yeah. And, uh, Darla, Darla has just—well, maybe not just, but um, in very, re- very recently—has turned in jealous. Yeah, so let's take. I don't remember. Uh, I mean, it looked like Darla was wearing the same thing that she was wearing when, um, she does like meet Liam. Mm-hmm. So he was sired in 1753 okay so it's about what seven years later is yeah that, no, right. 1760 but this Which is, is a short amount of time for vampires that's true <laughs> um given what the master says at the end of this scene yeah. but uh but, I'll give it um, a this is this is angelus's first time before the master and uh darla's still kind of supplicant to him and uh and uh, the master's saying, like, oh, well, welcome to the fold, and uh, we're, soon we're going to just destroy the world, uh, as like, uh, after we finish waiting or whatever. And uh, Angelus is like, dude, you're lame, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's actually pretty tight up there. Like, yeah, and he, like, he gives him shit for living in a sewer. Uh, well, yeah. He's already got shit for living in a sewer, let's be clear. <laughs> but yeah, uh, basically, Angelus is like, how can you be with this guy? He sucks. I can give you everything. Like, let's just go and, like, be hot and eat to our heart's content. And, and she's like, I 
I can't argue with that logic. <laughs> even, even as Angelus is getting the crap kicked out of him by the master. Uh, uh, but yeah, the master says, like, uh, you know, it won't last. I give it a century. I give it a century. <laughs> I, that's not a good master impression, but I don't care. Um, you know, I, I'm so... It's a small appearance, but I'm just so delighted we got to see the master again. I'm always so happy to see the master. I... So... I um I will say I give How I Met Your Mother a lot of shit because it deserves, it, deserves it. it. <laughs> but one thing that I appreciated about it, even though a lot of times it was too, it wasn't like the greatest of quality. They did do their damnedest to keep up with their own continuity, mm-hmm. um, more than any sitcom really oh, has yeah. ever done. But that's just because of the format of it. So I really appreciate it when shows do that. And even if it's like, oh, hey, I'm going to, like, um, a season two episode of Lost, since you're all about the Lost right now, um, when uh, the one that focuses on Shannon. Uh-huh. And, Abandoned. Uh, yeah. And you get a flashback, and they bring back Ian Somerhandler to be yeah. Boone, even though his character had died in season one. And it's, it's, it's just really nice. So even if it's, like, these little short bits of previous characters yeah. showing up I, boone, I love it is boone my favorite lost character far from it every time boone shows up in a flashback or whatever do i go boone yes same with the master is the master my favorite big bad hell no but am i so fucking psyched well, to see him well, yeah you know, it's a, yeah it it enriches the world yeah and you know and also kind of makes you think like gosh look how far we've come from <laughs> From uh, just the the harvest and the homecoming, yeah. Uh, but the um, and uh, I think probably the best example of this uh, is in the season seven premiere of Buffy. But we'll get to that when we get to that. So good, it really is. Um, but again, we'll get to that. Yeah, even redacted can't fuck that scene up for me. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so, um, yeah, Darla does end up going with Angelus. Why wouldn't you? Um, they, it, it also shows a, a flashback in 1880, um, when, uh, they're looking at a, a person that, uh, Drusilla just ate because, uh, she was, uh, and when she ate him, she could hear the, uh, ocean. <laughs> And Dallas like, of course you could. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Harrison pitched his web series mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, just little 10-minute webisodes. Darla and Drusilla throughout the ages. You know, just getting a Manny Petty. And, uh, or, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, they have to go grocery shopping. I, <laughs> Do they have to go grocery <laughs> shopping, though? Listen, we know we know how Spike likes to get like the Weedabix to mix in with the blood. <laughs> we know, you know, they and it's and, and the boys are not shopping. You know the boys. Oh are, yeah, they those patriarchal fuckwads. <laughs> like and we love, we do love them, <laughs> but and and you know, Darla and Drusilla will go along with it because they do get good D. So you know, they have a system that works. Um, the system works. The system uh, <laughs> called reciprocity. Noise. You're welcome. Uh, 
<laughs> Darla and Drusilla go to prison. <laughs> I I love that. I just I've watched the crap out just, of that. Just plop them down, plop the two of those down into the middle of an episode of Orange is the New Black. <laughs> you know, make sure it would have made that show better. Plop them near Piper so she dies first. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Oh man. Whew. Uh, but yeah, and um, and Darla is basically looking for a companion. And or Drusilla. Uh, oh yeah, excuse me. Drusilla's looking for a companion. Two Ds, so. <laughs> two Ds for two Ds. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and she comments on how Angelus and Darla are together. And she wants her own companion. And uh, she's like, I'm going to find the... The bravest prince and the strongest man, and then I will make him live forever. And uh, of course, at this point, they bump into a very disgruntled William the Bloody, mm-hmm. whose poetry is so bloody awful. Yes. Uh, the the first instance of our crossover of our flashbacks crossing over, but I would argue not the best. And also, there's only two. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, this is obviously like uh, we. So, put it together in your brain that we just saw uh, William's poetry reading, or his poetry being forced to be read, yeah. and um, has just been uh, rejected by uh, Cecily. Cecily. Yeah. Has just been rejected by Cecily. You know, it was not an effulgent affair. No. <sighs> but, uh, of course. Drusilla catches uh, catches William's eye and uh, goes after him and turns him into a vampire. Yay! As we saw before. Uh, so um, Cordelia is successful in finding the uh, in finding Darla's new in finding like the place where Darla was living. Uh, however, she isn't there anymore. We know this because uh, Lindsay, who was looked awful in aviators at the beginning of this episode what a douchebag yeah no it's like you've got i don't know if it's like his hair color and the length but like you you feel like aviators would be an easy thing for assholes to pull off but he's somehow just like oh man well, dude, it's you, like, didn't, you did not work that it's well it's weird though because they're like aviate they're like the style and shape of aviators but like weird i like weirdly kind of small that smaller than like normal aviators i don't know he just fits fits specifically for douchebags right right i now look or maybe it's just maybe it's just Lindsay. maybe maybe if angel had put those on we'd be like damn (laughs) it's like uh the coonskin cap from uh from parks and rec how tom tries to wear it and can't get any girl to notice him (laughs) Ron puts it on, and then a girl just walks by his office and is like, wow, nice hat. I mean, accurate, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no offense to Aziz sorry, but, like, yeah, it's not working for you, bro. But Nick Offerman, goddamn, he's wearing that hat. Nick Offerman was born to wear a coonskin cap. Nick Offerman <laughs> was born wearing a coonskin cap. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really fucked up. It's just, just a heads up. I actually like aviators. Um, I feel like... I, and maybe I'm tooting my own horn here, but I feel like when I wear aviators, which isn't too often because I normally just like 
if if I have a friend who has aviators, I like put them on and I'm like, oh, how does it look? I actually think I look pretty okay in aviators. Yeah, aviators. I mean, I think it's very certain people can pull them off. Yeah, and but you... unfortunately, it does have a bit of a. It does have, like, an association with being an asshole, yeah. but, I mean, hey, I've been an asshole at times in my life, so I'm not I'm not shying away from that. Not but... me. I'm perfect. <laughs> Hence why you can't wear aviators. Actually, I do look good in aviators. Uh, you know, actually, he looks really good in aviators, but it's not really fair because he legitimately looks good in anything he fucking wears. What's that? Is John. Yeah. Um, I-, I figured that's where you were going. Um, yeah. He should, does... we, like, should we, like, all just, like get some aviators because I, yeah. I, like, I would love to have my own pair i had a pair for a while i that broke them we need to uh we need to like both of us get aviators take a picture and put that on the socials yeah the social um it is like weirdly supernatural how john can wear any article of clothing yeah that's true like th- he has this one shirt that's like it's this it's like a striped polo and the stripes are like like a mustard yellow, a brown white. It's ugly. It's, it's fucking sin. And he puts it on and I'm like, damn, that looks good. And that's not even me just being like, you know, like... My husband's hot. Yeah, but like, he... I think part of it is that he's tall and thin. Like... <laughs> yeah, he does have a very... I'm not going to say model body, but he does have like... Someone who would wear clothes really well. He, like, yeah. Like, like David Boreanaz. Indeed. Yeah. Um... Anyway, weird. Um, oh, what have we been yeah. <laughs> Lindsay oh, yeah. looks like yeah. a fucking douche. Yeah. Um, so, but Lindsay does show concern. We kind of know why, because dude is hard for Darla. Mm-hmm. He's thirsting for her. Hard luck. And yeah, you kind of have to wonder, is it because he legitimately feels feelings for Darla? Or is it because he wants what Angel has, including Angel's dick? <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't think that Lindsay is gay. I wouldn't even call him bi. But I definitely think there is sexual tension, one-sided sexual tension between Lindsay and Angel. Because it it does not flow in the other direction. Angel would never. Angel considers... Angel considers... Uh, Lindsay, a pest. Yeah, and maybe that's it. Maybe maybe Lindsay likes being considered a pest, and and he wants to step on me, Angel Daddy. Right? I mean, seriously, <laughs> Angel or Lindsay wants so badly for Angel to and, consider him like a legit yeah threat, and he's like horny for it. Like, I, I don't know how to describe what I'm describing. And so this really like At first like, I was thinking, like, maybe it's kind of like a Will Hannibal thing, but it's different. It Yeah, it's... It, I get, you know, I get exactly why your brain went there, because... But it's all... Yeah, it's like, uh... He, he doesn't want to have sex with Angel, but he wants to fuck Angel. That, that is what Darla says. She's like, that's true. I'm not the one that you want to screw. She totally said. Yeah. And oh, and that, ha- I mean, you know, the line is like screwing him over, but like that's, de- that's a very deliberate word choice to use. Yes. Um, but yeah. Um, anyway, so, gay agenda is yeah. sub Lindsay. 
Lindsay wants to be a top so bad, and he's just not. Uh, you need to, you need to find yourself a dom. Just look at uh, La- the example of Lila Morgan. I was gonna say, <laughs> it's like, oh, Lindsay, you've got a dom. It's Lila. <laughs> like, stop, stop horning after Angel. And Lee's just like the guy who sits there and watches. Ugh. <laughs> he is not an active participant. Oh my gosh. It, you know what's so funny though is. Without Lee around, we've just we've been dragging Lee so much. Well, yeah, but and he's but been we, dead for over, over a season. season, and we've but we've we've started dragging Lindsay. You know when they were when Jerry retired on Parks and Rec, and everybody was making fun of Tom. Who's gonna be the new? This is this is the new Jerry. Lindsay is the new Lee. I love that we've been I, referencing Parks and Rec so much. Also, and I just want to say this for the record: I think Lindsay is a fantastic character. I love him as an antagonist. But we just like dragging people. <laughs> yeah, I am dragging him with love. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, continue. Uh, but yeah, so, um, Lindsay has taken uh, Darla to his office, and uh, and then guess who shows up? Another uh, face we haven't seen in a while, Mr. Holland. Holland Manners. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Rose Nadler. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've expressed this, though. He's so fucking good in this role. Sam Anderson. Yeah. He is just, he's very, the way he's able to. He gets across corporate evil so much. Yes. And the way he's able to like play like this. Oh, I'm your, I'm your, I'm your boss, but I'm also kind of your mentor and you're like your surrogate father. But like, don't fucking fail me. I love, he's so good. But yeah. Um, so, uh, so when Holland sees that uh, Darla is there, he um, he says like Lindsay, you shouldn't have brought her here. And he's like, well, I mean, I'm I'm worried because you know she's like hurting herself and breaking shit. And he's like, oh, well, things have gone quicker than we anticipated. Uh, and he's like, you did good, Lindsay. Don't let her leave the office. Yeah. Maybe don't let her around any sharp objects. Yeah, take all those sharp objects out of your office, too. Make sure you get that Blu-ray of the Amy Adams miniseries out of your office. (laughs) Oh, man. That that miniseries may have the best final line in television. I almost shit myself when she said that. I was... And I knew... I was like, something's... Not right. Yeah, I was like, everything, some... everything seems to be coming out really, really smooth yeah. and clean. Um, but yeah, no, just the the last two minutes of Sharp Objects is a gut punch. Fucked me over. Uh, I loved it. God, this is like an episode of Tangents. I'm sorry, but I think you all enjoy the Tangents. I yeah. think that's why you all are here. Anyone, any, if they're still with us, they've, <laughs> they've come to expect it. But yeah, and uh, and yeah. Darla is just confused even after Lindsay kisses her and and he's like oh well I don't really know what you wanted and she's like uh oh why should you care she never really considered anybody else mm-hmm. flashback time real quick is this the scene where she has that like monologue where she's looking out the window or is that later in the episode I believe that's later okay cool then um, I will leave my thought about it to then but uh but yeah we have a flashback to 1898, and we are at a certain Romani encampment. And uh, um, basically, Darla has found out, this is shortly after um, Angelus has been re mm-hmm. And one thing, 
probably didn't know. Spike and Drusilla went there yeah. with her. It's I, I love that. It's never... Because obviously whenever we've had flashbacks to this time period, they've been all about Darla and Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, timeline-wise... And, and I get the impression that this... Based on this... The flashbacks we've gotten and flashbacks we'll get in the future, that they... They're not consistently all together. Like they are like a group, but every once in a while they'll but, go off on. In but little I do, groups. I do, because you think about this because Spike and Drusilla, when they first show up in Buffy season two, are completely unaware that mm-hmm. Angel has a soul. Yeah. So that means that Darla, even though they went to the Romani encampment, Darla did not tell them. Yeah. I mean, and again... Drusilla we, has a line where she's like, Angelus is gone, where you you can tell she, like, senses it, but, you know, she yeah, she's not... She doesn't know what she's actually sensing. But yeah, and uh, she um, and she says, like, oh, if you tell me how... She tells, like, the Romani, um, one of the Romani people, oh, if you, um, if you tell me how to uh, get this curse off of him... Then um, you your family might not die. Of course, <laughs> Spike then comes out of a wagon and he's just like, "Oh, I'm sorry," <laughs> having killed the family. Yes, and she kills this dude. And uh, there's this there's a great moment of uh, comedy that then trans uh, becomes a really great dramatic transition where. Drusilla's dancing around and she's going, they cry out for mercy. And she's like dancing with Spike. They cry out for mercy. And it's a great and then Drusilla Darla moment. Says, Show, them Show none. I yeah. love that. Um, and, oh. uh, and it, and it is, is kind of weird important. that this whole episode, I was like, yeah, kill more people. <laughs> and, it is, um, it, 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 and it should be noted that uh, when Darla's talking to this guy about the curse, um, and he's like, oh, well, he killed, he killed, like, our beloved daughter. And she says, like, yeah, that, um, yeah, it was only a moment's pain or an hour. <laughs> but what you've done to him will curse him for all eternity. Yeah. It's, this episode. And, and Frasier and the Romani are like, good. Yeah. Good. That was the <laughs> idea. Um, what this episode does so well is that, yeah, we, it's both the writing and Julie Benz's performance. Because, I mean, this is Julie Benz's episode, yeah. and she fucking delivers. Darla. Um, but it really does make us sympathize with this holy evil creature and sympathize with her about evil things. It's not necessarily, you know, the whole time during the scene where she, where I'm like, yeah, fuck you, Romanis, for what you did. And then I'm like, wait a minute. No, you're the bad guy, Darla. <laughs> But they, they've done such a good job of bringing us into her yeah, perspective. that's a little, um, I, I, I kind of, it reminds me of the quote from uh, The Usual Suspects. Uh, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing people that he didn't exist. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you take that to filmmakers, like, the greatest trick that a filmmaker can pull is make you sympathize with an evil character. Yeah. Like, that just shows that they have... Um, completely written this character, written the story, written the mm-hmm. setting, and have got you into it. Yeah. They have got you engaged. Vince Gilligan was almost too successful. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, it's not his fault that fans are shitty. Uh, so, but um, but yeah, and uh, that, that 
That's like a whole... I feel like we should just have an episode where we discuss Breaking Bad. Just... Because I, I, mean, I love having discussions about how how it's so easy to sympathize with Walter White because you spend the entire mm-hmm. series sympathizing with Walter White and sometimes you are just like able to shrug off all the horrible things that he mm-hmm. does especially in the later seasons it really is one of the strengths of that show yeah is going it, at least for my viewing experience was as I was watching it going like Oh my god, like alternating between, oh my god, what a vile, vile man and this horrible thing he's just done. And also, oh no, how's he gonna get out of this scrape? Yeah. Like, and, um, uh, and like, you know, cheering for him at his victories, even though I'm just like, no, no, no. Like, it's, I mean, that's good writing if you're able to elicit yeah. that sort of, uh, that sort of reaction. And I think this episode elicits that sort of reaction. And I think it does help that we are seeing these flashbacks are paired with uh, scenes of Darla being in an extremely vulnerable and scared state that makes it uh, easier to sympathize. And I think also Angel sympathizing with Mm -hmm. her, having gone through similar experiences, helps bring us in on that as well. So this is when we get... um, So Wesley was able to convince... Angel to let him and Gunn do the recon mm-hmm. on the uh, location. Yeah, which, which Cordy cracked down. Yeah, uh, by <laughs> the the way we get to this information is the scene's a little weird because it's, it's hand wavy. It's I, I at first I was confused at what was happening, but it, basically we get to uh, Cordy was able to uh, convince the like superintendent of this building that uh she was looking for her sister who uh they she's been estranged from and their parents are in the comas and like this over the top sob story which i'm imagining she's like cordelia's like got a list of like like places and she's calling (laughs) each one with this story um that's a mobisode i'd watch too uh but yes, they found where she's yeah. where she's been put up. And they took pictures, and Angel's looking at the pictures, and he sees that you know there's stuff smashed everywhere, including uh, the mirror, and um, and that's when Angel like puts it together that she and this is also happening as Darla starts to freak out at uh, in Lindsay's office. She has a soul now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the same way that Angel got his soul. And Angel's the one who kind of points that out. Like, Darla has to deal with all of the stuff that she did and all the stuff that she was. And she's doing it alone. She smashed the mirror um, because uh, she couldn't bear to look at herself in it. And um, and Cordelia asked, like, well, why didn't you like go around smashing mirrors and he's like well i was a vampire i didn't see myself in the mirrors it's a really cool juxtaposition between these two characters and angel is basically trying to say that i need to find her because she can't go through this alone like i did and cordelia has like just this one one little bit and nobody else comments on it. It's not coming on for the rest of the episode, but it's important. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, she's like, 
she's like you're not alone yeah um and then like west immediately like jumps into like oh well you like wandered for a hundred years what are you gonna do with her yeah. i love that moment one because of cordy's we're back to the whole like they're a family they're a family and cordy's like you're not alone and i love that and, and it, charisma puts a uh, uh just a twinge of hurt in the line too yeah like it's it's she's saying it as like like an encouragement to him but, but you how can you say that after all we've been through yeah it's there's very but also i'm like i like I love you cordy and i understand where you're coming from but he did go through it alone for mm-hmm. a long time um which is what wesley is, is says and so yeah he has them now and he had the scoobies before but from what we know and from previous flashbacks is that he did not have that. And yeah. we're going to get in these upcoming flashbacks. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a support system when he got his soul back. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. And so while all of this is happening, um, he gets a phone call and as he's, and, uh, and Cordelia is trying to get his attention but uh, he just keeps talking to uh, Wes. Uh, you know, Gunn seems pretty cool about this. He doesn't seem cool about, like, having been, having broken into a place. Uh, <laughs> he's just kind of sitting there eating his sandwich. Okay, I know this isn't the point, but that sandwich looks really good. Oh, I, yeah. I literally was like, damn, that's it. Like, like, I, I, like just for a second, I, I was I'd like, like, damn, that, like, I'd like to think that, that they needed a sandwich and they had the catering table out there. Mm. And so they're like... Look, man, just look, uh, J. August. Um, I also don't know what his first name is. Oh, I don't either. J. August. I don't either, uh, actually. I like, just always call him J. August Richards. Yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> J- Augie. <laughs> hey, man, like, if you see, like, you can pick out anything you want on the catering table and just, like, eat that in this scene. <laughs> uh, J. August Richards, full name, is Jamie Augusto Richards III. Okay. I love that. Um, although I wonder if it's Jaime, uh, because he's uh, Afro-Panamanian. I did not know that. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. Um, so I do, I think we, I think we maybe have gotten a, not super out of order, but we, I think we've missed, because I just want to talk about it, this monologue Darla has looking out the window where she's talking about how like she doesn't even remember her name. Yeah. Um, Which Angel also comments on because mm-hmm. uh, he had been looking up Darla in the, um, in, in just like the etymology of the name and how it didn't even, sure. <laughs> it didn't even become commonly used until like a hundred years after she became, yeah. after she was alive. So the master gave it to, the master gave that name to her. He never knew what her real name was. I wonder if there was... I wonder if at some point when in the writing of this episode, because this is the first time we learn when Darla was um, was sired, which is in 1609. Nice. Um, I wonder if someone went, hey, I just looked this up and Darla was not a name then. And they were like, um, the master gave it to her later. <laughs> and honestly, if that's the case, fine. Good, because... good job, dramaturgist. <laughs> And I'm fine with it because this monologue that Julie Benz gives where she's talking about, like, I don't even know what my name 
was when I was yeah, human. Yeah, she's so far removed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's so far removed from the person that she was when she was alive that it, it's it's familiar. It's unfamiliar to yeah. her. It's a stranger to her. And but she's also not the vampire that she con- cons- mm-hmm. that she was for centuries. Um, because hey, she's not a vampire anymore. Yeah. So she's like, what was I brought back as? And and, and they do the, the she, she does this while looking out the window, and we get her reflection, which I, I just loved, just visually. Um, and it is also a good parallel to Angel, uh, who, especially in the past, in this similar situation of, I'm a vampire, I have a soul, and like in their flashback. Darla literally he's like I'm still a vampire and she just says no you're not yeah I don't know what fuck you are bitch mm-hmm. eat this baby if you're so evil mm-hmm. eat this baby <laughs> but uh but yeah and so she ends up calling Angel and uh tries to tries to get him to come and help her and uh while this is happening uh Lindsay walks into the office is like Darla put the phone down and uh, there's the security guard who's like, oh, like, uh, Holland said that you had to, that, like, you needed help. He's like, shut up! <laughs> and, uh... Mr. M- Mr. McDonald, can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking and, uh, and, and, yeah, so what Darla does, like, after a very, like, nice little buildup of tension, smacks Lindsay across the face of the phone. Nice. And, uh, and we hear a gunshot. Oh, who shot who at the Copa, Copa Cabana, right. the hottest spot north of Havana. I thought you were going to join in with me, but... I don't know the lyrics. You don't know the lyrics to Copa Cabana? Not really. You're a terrible gay. I'm really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you're not a terrible gay. I said I'm sorry. You're a great gay man. I don't know about great. Can, let's just, let's let's settle on acceptable. You're an acceptable gay man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So Angel does like leave to try and find her, um, and everybody's just like, "Hey, look, please be careful." And like you know what Darla was, and he's like, "I know what I know what we both were." And uh, I think I might be able to help her. And so we uh, we see the security footage. And it is, um, and basically the guy is the one who ends up, t- that security guard is the one who ended up taking the bullet. And uh, as Holland is reviewing this with Lindsay, he's like, yeah, well, I mean, guard's dead. And Ford is family. There's a suspect in custody. Everything will be fine. You're off this project. We're terminating it. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, we're just terminating it. So they're going to kill Darla. Yeah. This was, I had forgotten that this was a, like a setup by Holland and, uh, and like Holland. Good job. Damn. Like you pulled this off. Yeah. But I was like, I was like, uh, I feel like we're straining credulity just a bit with, Lindsay's continued survival at Wolfram and Hart. Yeah, they were, they were like, they were really quick to get rid of Lee. Uh, I and I guess that just does. Uh, I, I do love the constant fear that Lindsay and Lila are operating under. Um, 
it does undercut it a bit that they seem to get away with a lot. But I also, part of me is like, well, that does speak to their competence and the, their skill that Wolfram and Hart is willing to look the also, other way. Also, I think Lindsay built up a lot of cred with um, losing his hand yeah. um, in service of bringing Darla back. I agree. I agree. I'm just uh, saying, look to your peer, Lee. Don't get cocky, kid. <laughs> But yeah, and uh, so as Lindsay is going to the, um, as Lindsay is going to his car, Angel's there to start choking him, ah. which, let's be honest, Lindsay's probably into <laughs> he, uh, Well, I'm sorry, I'm making like too many, I'm making too many like assumptions about this, but. No, nah, I agree. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It's all right with you because you're an acceptable gay. Yeah. <laughs> Your words. I know. I know. You know. I've decided I'm an excellent gay. Good. I'm. I'm glad you have that like confidence in yourself. I, I wish our listeners could like see me holding my martini glass up high, like I'm, like, I'm fucking it's Lucille like... Bluth. <laughs> I don't care for Job. <laughs> <laughs> anyway oh man continue uh but yeah and so um uh Lindsay does give him a location where darla uh could would probably be if wolfram and hart's gonna like pull the trigger and uh he says like if anything happens to her i'm gonna come back and kill you and you know what i might just come back anyway Because I think Lindsay's or Angel's just had it with Lindsay. Yeah. Like, God damn it! Why is it every, every? You're always there. I'm so goddamn tired of you. You know the um in uh, uh I can't remember which. It's Half Blood Prince in the movie of Half Blood Prince where McGonagall's like, "Why is it always oh, you three? <laughs> That's how I feel like uh, Angel is whenever he's up against. Lindsay and Lilith. Why is it always you two? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't there any other Wolfram and Hart employees? <laughs> um, so now let's go to the Boxer Rebellion. Yeah. So uh, Angel um, does track down Darla, and Darla uh, kind of like has the upper hand on him because she's a. Uh, She's like, oh, you smell like rodents. Have you been eating rodents? He's like, yeah. Uh, But um, he's like, I came here. And Angel has said, Angel told them like, oh, I I sought her out when I, even after I was Mm -hmm. re-insulted. Which this is very new information for the audience. Um, And it's a revelation that I love. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it made, we already knew that his transition after getting the soul was rough um but this added layer of he tried to go back to but that makes sense oh it, it makes all the sense it the makes world. all the sense and it just makes this more nuanced and more interesting but uh but yeah he he says that he is ready to give her the world again he's like he's even with the soul he's still able to kill people and he will still be her boy um, I, that's another thing that I love throughout this episode. Um, uh, Darla con- constantly referring to Angel mm-hmm. as her boy. Yes, my boy. My uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to, 
I, I, this is something I think we've overlooked in favor of the bad accent. But I think it's also really important. Important? It's really important that we talk about <laughs> the bad Angelus wig. It's just terrible. <laughs> what are you going to do? I, I mean, yeah. it's never been good. It's never been good. But I just, I think we've always focused so much on the accent that we've just kind of let the wig, the, the wig's been like, yeah, yeah, yell at that. And I think it's time that we stop. Uh, <laughs> we give the wig the shit it deserves. Also, Darla's wig in this, in this flashback is not great either. But, uh, well, it, and, like, I think it's trying to be in the style of of China, of China and not, not doing well. It's not. And it's just, it's just, like, it's too big. Like, I mean, that is, I think, when I, when I think a wig is bad, it's usually where I go, like, it looks too big for your head and not, like, not, like, in the way my hair is too big for my head. Um, but like, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, the way it's styled is weird. I also just really don't like her dress. Um, it, it's weirdly conservative for Darla. Um, not that I think Darla like is constantly dressing like is super sexy. I mean, she does sometimes, but it's, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't fit well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Angel is, uh. So we see Angel on the streets as, uh, you know, all the shit's going down, all the riots are going down, and he sees a, um, a very scared family of missionaries and, in an alley, and he, uh, he basically just kind of lets them go, starts, starts walking away, and uh, Darla's there, and he says, like, oh, there are bodies, let's go find something fresh. So, uh, and then it's when they walk and find Drew and Spike, after having just fucked uh almost definitely just fucked after spike killed the slayer and uh we get we get that we get a repeat of that scene yeah but with uh, new context with new context uh we see why angelus wasn't exactly too happy about it uh, it's not just because spike annoys the shit out of him yeah. <laughs> it's it's i love this because if you're paying if you're watching fool for love and you've paid really close attention to the timeline, and you know the exact year that Angel was sired, um, then you're going to realize that, uh, because they're giving us the years. Yeah. Um, but for me, I even I consider myself uh, extremely knowledgeable on Buffy, but if you were like, what year was Angel reinsold? I'd have to go look that up. Mm-hmm. I, I, kn- I know it's late 1800s, um, but like, I'm going to have to go look up the year. So you're not, you don't catch that yeah, if, unless I, you're really, really looking for it. He, so I feel like, um, and even with, uh, with future years and stuff, it's not really, um, like I can do centuries. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> I know that, uh, oh, Star Trek Enterprise takes place in the 22nd century original series takes place in the 23rd and everything else pretty much takes place in the 24th with the exception of discovery but that's got its own thing going on <laughs> that's got, uh, <laughs> that very much has its own thing going on yeah um years honestly aren't a big important thing for me 
Um, unless there's time travel involved. Mm -hmm. If there's time travel involved, that's when I start paying attention to years. Like, I can give you all the years involved in the Back to the Future trilogy, like, just right off the top Mm -hmm. of my head. Uh, but, yeah, the year... Like, I honestly probably wouldn't have noticed watching Full for Love that this was after Angel got reinsold. Yeah. No, I'm exactly that... I'm exactly the same way. I'm not focusing on the years so much as, like, unless I'm cued in for some reason, like in a time travel story, that the specific year matters, I'm usually more like, oh, we're in this era of time. And, um, And, you know, unless it's the year that Darla gets sired, which is 1609. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, in all fairness, years aren't a huge deal in Buffy either. They're just huge in this because Mm -hmm. both Full for Love and Darla are flashback heavy. Yeah. And not just flashback heavy, but flashback heavy and covering centuries. Um, it's, it's not like a lost episode where the flashback might, uh, cover a couple of years. We are, we are talking Richard Alpert level flashbacks. Yeah. So what happened, what happens next is that, uh, when Angel goes back to Darla after our nice little slow-mo shot of Spike jumping up, uh, in the, in the air. Love it. Um, uh, he says that, um, like, she knows that, uh, Darla knows. Darla knows that Angel's been, like, putting on airs this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the only people that he's been killing and eating are, you know, serial killers and, uh, and rapists and stuff like that. Like, bad men. Bit of foreshadowing for, uh, Julie Benz's next major role. Mm-hmm. Uh, (laughs) but uh well don't forget about the other role that she had before dexter i believe um that superhero show that she had with um oh i thought that was after with michael chiklis i thought that was after where they were like it was like no ordinary family yeah um i thought that was like i thought it was like the season after she was killed off oh maybe you're right maybe you're right I think that was, like, her next job out in her fan, like, a season. All right, fair enough. Yeah. And then she did... She had another show. There was uh, a sci-fi show, I think. Uh, Destination, Dominion... Uh, Defiance? Defiance, Defiance, yeah. Which I've never watched, but I've actually heard is I watched a good. couple episodes, and it seemed interesting... But the thing is, is that there was also a Defiance game coming out, mm. and the Sci-Fi Channel was really trying to play up the whole like, oh, find out more about the world by playing the video game and uh, watching, watching yeah. the show. And I mean, I don't, I don't hate the idea of cross promotions uh, synergy, but yeah, like I think. And I hate to say this about a show that uh, Julie Benz is in, but yeah, Defiance, from what I saw of it, looked like kind of just another dime a dozen uh, sci-fi channel shows that was trying to like recapture the glory of Battlestar Galactica. So she was on Dexter from 06 to 10, although I I would guess that the 2010 was her guest appearance in the season five premiere Mm -hmm. so as a regular 06 to 09 and no ordinary family ran from 10 to 11 um and then defiance was 13 to 15 um and i mean you know she works 
consistently. Like, um, I also forgot until I just looked at this that she is in Saw 5. Um, yeah. She's the best part of Saw 5 because Saw 5 is the second worst Saw movie. 4 and 5 are incredibly forgettable. Yeah. Um, I rank 4 a little bit higher than 5, but I, it's still on the lower end. But the final chapter is, in my opinion, the worst fucking Saw movie. The, um... The but problem, she's great in Saw 5. It's just a bad movie. The problem 4 is that it's just like, oh, hey, you want to know what's happening like in between stuff? And, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, I remember the first time I saw it, it had been a long time since I had seen Saw, like the first three. And it relies so heavily on, here's all the shit that happened in three. Do you remember it? And here's what you missed on Saw. <laughs> <laughs> but um, can we, can we both like come to the agreement that like when everybody thought that that franchise is just like not worth it anymore... Saw 6 is actually Saw. a really good movie. Saw 6 is fucking great. It's the third best Saw movie, in my opinion. I'm going to go Saw 2, OG Saw, uh, Saw 6, Saw 3. And if I was splitting Saw 3 into two movies, one movie being uh, Jigsaw, Amanda, and the Doctor, that half... The other being her husband? Yeah. The the the, the surgery just, parts... Just, just keep it all as one movie. I mean, I know. I'm just I find Saw 3 frustrating because the surgery section is so interesting. And every time you cut away to her husband going through the traps, I'm just like, why do I care about this? And well, you the, know, some would argue that, like, that was kind of the thing with the later Saw movies. Oh, absolutely. Um, because uh, when I was watching them, I remember... Uh, so I remember watching the first three movies... For the first time, all on the same day. And then uh, I didn't watch, I think, because um, it was funny. Because Ben, uh, my friend, uh, Ben Gerhardt, friend of the show, and uh, my other friend, uh, Matt, we, um, for my birthday, because Saw 4 came out on my birthday. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, yeah, you've told me this before. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we watched the first three Saw movies all in, all in one day. And then when we went to go see Saw 4... It was sold out, which is kind of crazy. Like, it was opening night, but it's it's kind of crazy that that would sell out. Except it wasn't, though. Those were, like, the Saw movies were events. They were. Like, yeah. I mean... Because you got one every year. Around, probably around five or six is when they stopped being, like, mm-hmm. event movies. But, but, yeah, but, then, but four especially, because I think a lot of people were going, well, we have to go see it. Like, what are they... They killed him in the last one. So, like... We have to go see yeah. how they're gonna do it. Yeah, and uh, and so I did eventually see four, but it was much later. Uh, it was on DVD, and in the end, it just wasn't like it didn't yeah. have the impact because you had to kind of watch the other three fairly recently. I agree. And then five, six, and seven didn't even watch until I started dating this girl, and um, it was October in the year that we dated, and she. Um, and uh, she wanted to watch spooky movies. I'm still shocked that she watched these movies. Yeah, I, it, it is it's really out of character. Well, I'm not naming names, but well, it's it's funny because like I had bought the because I found the movies at Book of Music, and I bought them all. And I um, and uh, when we were hanging out, she asked me like, "Oh, um, what kind of movies do you like to watch during uh, during holiday season?" I'm like, well, obviously, I like watching horror movies. And I just bought, like, I finally bought the rest of the Saw movies, so I kind of want to watch them all. And she's like, I'll watch them with you. And, um, yeah, it surprised me, too. It surprised me that she wanted to watch, like, all of them. Uh, But 
we both, and I will say this, we both pretty much after Saw 3, the reason that we kept coming back to it wasn't the traps. It was because of the the running storyline. It has an intricate plot. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not yeah, always like, a good plot, but it is yeah, intricate. We, we honestly were not even huge fans. Of, like, honestly, the traps were more just like... Oh yeah, you have to have these because it's Saw, but we wanted to see what happened yeah. throughout. And you know, both you and I, not together, but both you and I saw Spiral. I liked it. Way better I than it had. I really liked it. Any fucking right to be. Yeah. I And I went in, I mean, you know, it was, I think there's a, something to be said sometimes about having low expectations. I didn't have low expectations, but I also didn't have, um, I didn't have this sort of investment in the Saw franchise that I have in, say, Halloween. Where if I go into, say, a recent Halloween sequel Halloween and c- come away disappointed, um, and if I'm disappointed by a Saw sequel, I'm going, ah, okay. Like, but anyway, all that is to say, uh, Julie Benz is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a long tangent about the Saw movies, and Harrison will probably edit it out. Uh, but uh, I, I like this. I, I do like the Saw movies generally. But uh, yeah, so Darla sees that, like, like I said, she she knows that like all that Angel has done is kill bad people, and so she's like, "All right, you want to you want to like get back to my good graces? You want things to be back the way they were?" and uh, Eat this baby. <laughs> if you're evil, prove it. She literally says prove it. Like, that's not even me. I, I, I am joking when I'm like, if you're so evil, eat this baby. But she literally does say prove it. Yeah, and she does so by taking a taking a cover off of the what we all assume is the baby of the missionary yeah. family. No, it, Because it, it was in the basket. It absolutely is, because she says that's the reason she's like, Pissed is she yeah, overheard you, the missionaries being like, you yeah. saved us. And I don't know if it's explicitly stated, but I mean, I think the assumption we can make is Darla killed all those fucking missionaries. Yeah, I can only assume that. Uh, <laughs> because she does say like, oh, their savior was at the, uh, their savior is at the docks eating rats. Yeah. Um, she's, <laughs> I, Julie Benz is so good because she was like, you were out there saving missionaries <laughs> like, like you fucking asshole <laughs> i there's something that's a bit over the top about julie benz's performance that is so perfect for yeah. this character um i am never i i never don't know how darla feels and i'm and there are sometimes i would I would actually list that as a con in the performance where I'm just, where I'm like, this kind of, like, you're, you are acting with a capital A. <laughs> but Julie Benz just lives in this character. Yeah, that's just and, what the character is. Yeah, and she's, and it, I think part of it helps that I have seen her in other roles where I know, like, we, we were talking about her role in Dexter where we were like, she's good in it. She doesn't get to do much. Yeah, there's there's almost no character arc. Yeah. It's, it's really just like, oh, you're the constant in Dexter's life until you're until not. Until you're not. <laughs> hey, she's, we never said there wouldn't be any Dexter spoilers in this. She's, she's no Penny Widmore. <laughs> so, anyway. um, but yeah, so, uh, 
So we don't see what Angel uh, decides. What we see is that uh, Darla's getting thrown out of a van by three guys, and they're about to kill her. Or are they? But uh, Angel decides, but then that's when Angel shows up uh, in his car, jumps out of his car, beats up three guys, and he um, and he's, he's able to save her. Do you think, because obviously we know, having watched the episode, that this whole thing was a long con by Holland. A great long con, worked exactly the way he wanted to. Proud of him. Do you think these men had orders to kill Darla if Angel hadn't showed? I don't think they did. I, I really? Think that, yeah, I think that... Um, I think that Darla was always an asset mm-hmm. that Holland was not ready to uh, let go of. Because they went through so much to get her. Right. Um, so I think that... I mean, that's why they did the whole... Like, they could have killed her on the way there. True. And then dr- dumped her body. But then they did the whole, like, oh, you're... Uh, they hold, her, hold their guns out, like, sorry, baby, but nobody's coming to save you. So, um, they made it convincing. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. I agree with you. My thought process was if, because they want to fuck with Angel. Mm-hmm. We don't know what, to what end yet. But my, my kind of thought was if he doesn't show, it's for two reasons. It's that he failed to show, wherein if she dies, that's going to fuck with his head real bad. You know, the I failed to save her. And if he fails to show, not because he failed, but because he just did, decided not to, then at that point, well, it's what's not the, worth it. It's yeah. not worth it. Um, but I also agree with your your sentiment as well. Yeah, it could go either way. We we don't. Maybe they had a timeline. That's, that's what makes Holland such a great uh, such a great villain. Yeah. He's we don't know what's in his what's going on yeah. his head. We just know that it's bad. Yeah. Maybe maybe they have like a, a limit. Like okay. If at this point he doesn't show up, he ain't gonna. So, like... But, yeah, so, um, when... And Angel isn't the only one who got conned, because, uh, Lindsay is in the lobby, and he sees the guard that got murdered. Uh, we... Are we in agreement that this is also on purpose? Holland, like... Oh, yeah. Holland did not accidentally, like, have the guard in the lobby. yeah, I mean, you don't... Like, if Holland wanted to keep something a secret, like keeping whether this guard is alive or not a secret, he wouldn't have done it in the lobby. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Like, beautiful Holland. Yeah. And um, and that's when uh, he tells Lindsay that, like, hey, this is all part of our, this is all part of our plan. We need to make the crisis look real. And now, and uh, so Lindsay just thinks that, um, oh, now that Angel has Darla, uh, they're going to have sex and it's going to, like, uh like Angel's soul is going to go away and then he's going to work for Wolfram and Hart and uh, Holland's like, you yeah, dumb yeah. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you little the, dummy. You're like, no, he, Angel's going to do what he was, uh, Angel's going to do what he was always going to do. He's going to save her soul and we don't know to what ends that works for Wolfram and Hart. Yeah. Um, but what we do know is that um, Darla wakes up and uh and uh, she calls Angel Angelus, which freaks Cordy out. And Cordy's she's like, hey, nope. hey, around here, he's known as Angel. And so this leads to, um, so Angel's like, hey, can you guys, like, just give us a minute? 
Fair enough. Yeah. And I, uh, um, it's really the way it's filmed is so good because Gunn and Wesley are out of the frame first. And Cordy leaves, but she definitely lingers mm-hmm. longer than the other two. Also, just I, shout out to Cordy's outfit and hair in this episode. She yeah. looked fucking great. <laughs> um, I know I was giving her shit about her hair last week, but it looks so, really good this week. Um, while we're talking about hair, I love Darla's straight hair. Like in the present day? Yeah. Yeah. I love her hair in this. And it's really funny because when... Um, when she's first brought back at the end of season one, I didn't realize that it was Darla because I always associate her with that like weird schoolgirl hair that she had oh, when, yeah. she was, when she died. Or but, like the fancy curls that yeah, we have in, curls in, in the flashbacks. flashbacks. But yeah, I I just love this casual, straight hair Darla. I, I mean, that, that's just be because like I'm extremely attracted to Julie Benz. Yeah. Uh, well, also, I think it... They do. I mean, she's still, of course, gorgeous to look at. She's a beautiful, beautiful woman, but it's so simple, mm-hmm. which is which makes sense for what Darla's. Jason's got. Jason's with. got some simple taste. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I listen. I don't want to call Julie Ben simple because she's not. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I can't remember what it is, but I can I can hear it. So clearly in my mind, some sitcom where one character refers to another character as this simple bitch. <laughs> and God, I don't know what it... I, 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 I can hear the it, line delivery, but I, nothing comes to my but I mind either. can't picture who's saying it or why <laughs> or like the context. Bitch. I'm just hearing the line, this simple bitch. <laughs> but, um, uh, anyway. but yeah, and so, and so Angel is basically saying like, I know what you're going through. And that's when Darla's like, yeah, you can tell that, like, you know, the soul is killing me. Can't do this. So now, like, help me. And at this point, um, she's like, yeah, turn me into a vampire. If you're so good, (laughs) turn me into a vampire. And Angel's like, no, that's not how we're going to do this. And she's like, look, I gave you eternal life. Now return the favor. And, And Angel just says, favor? That's what you thought you did to me? You damned me. And, oh, God, does that hit home. Mm-hmm. And while this is going on, that's when we see the last bit of flashback that we get of Angel grabbing the baby and um, jumping through a window. Because, you know, it's got to be dramatic. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he saves the baby because uh, he can't be the monster that Darla wanted him to be. Just as he can't be what Darla wants now, which is turn me into a vampire. And he's like, I'm yeah. not going to do that. And that's when she's like, well, fuck you. Don't look for me. And then leaves. Yeah. The juxtaposition of Angel jumping through the window. You have a baby in your arms, Angel. You probably could have easily found a door, but okay, it's fine. Um, but that juxtaposition of that and Darla running out of the doors of the Hyperion is, is also, really great. I, also, I love that like, it is daytime when this happens. Yeah, so he's so just he, stuck. He can't go after her because the sunlight. Yeah. Okay. Whoever's talking your horn out there. Um, yeah, and then we... Then we that's it. That, yeah. That's it. And... Whew. So, I said last week that you, I gave fool for love a five out of five um and i think you came out you started at a four but then talked yourself into a 4.5 mm-hmm. i think is how that 
that is. Um, I, I, I love talking myself into like a different score, like coming into a and being like, I'm giving it this score. And then as I talk through why, I'm like, oh, wait, it's actually this. Well, I, I think, um, I think like when we finish the episode, we've got a score in our heads, but then you talk about it. Yeah. Obviously we do these deep dives and we talk about it and maybe we learn something thanks to another person's perspective and it could change it for the better sometimes for the worse yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I used to love Go Fish uh, <laughs> um, it's clearly evident in that episode <laughs> but um, no I, 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 I said that I maybe I'll change my mind when we watch it but I think I actually do like Darla more and I'm sticking by that it's not that I think it's not necessarily that I think it's um, necessarily better Although it doesn't have a Riley subplot that I hate. Um, but luckily, Fool for Love is strong enough that I'm able to just ignore that. But I, what I appreciate about Darla, uh, shocks to nobody, it's uh, five bait babies out of five. <laughs> um, uh, uh, what sets it apart from Fool for Love for me is that one, it's about a recurring character. So it just, that to me makes it feel more important. Like, Spike's a regular. He's a main character. We've, we're, we've had and are going to have plenty of time to get to know Spike more just by, by the fact that he is a main character. We don't necessarily have that with Darla, who is a recurring guest star. Um, so to me, there's something just a little bit more special about spending a really significant amount of time with this character who is um, not one of our core cast. Um, It also does... Fool for Love ties in really thematically to what's going on over on Buffy. Uh, Darla is tying in both thematically and within the main plot of the season so far. Um, And... And this isn't like there's this is no dings on James Marsters or the character of Spike, who I love, but I just found myself as I was so invested in Spike's story last week. Like, this is not to diminish him, but I was so fucking invested in Darla this week. I was just like, to the point where I, yeah, I was almost like, fuck it, make this an hour and a half episode. Let's get more flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like, um, oops, uh, kicking the table. Sorry about that. Uh, this episode is so good. I love I love the flashbacks. I love the insight we get into Darla. Um, I love I love it's it's tiny tiny moments. You know, Cordy doesn't have a lot to do, but I love seeing Cordy being really protective of Angel in these little moments. Um, I love the team working together even though they're like, eh, "I don't know about all this." This episode this episode has it all. <laughs> like it really like it's it's all the things I'm looking for in a really good episode of Angel. It's the Fang Gang coming together to work through something. Uh great character stuff. And Darla. <laughs> I love this episode. I love this. I I, I listeners who remember when I couple weeks ago quantified off the top of my head my top 10 angel episodes i don't remember if i included darla but if i didn't fool 
<laughs> fool for Darla. Hey man, there's there's a lot of good Angel episodes. There are. Um, yeah. Uh, five supposedly murdered guards out of five yeah. for me. Um, I think what puts this episode over Fool for Love for me is that, as you said, that had like the Fool for Love had the Riley subplot. And that kind of detracted away from what we were all there for, the Spike subplot. This is all about the Darla, Mm -hmm. the plot. Like, the plot, there is no subplot. It is literally all just one singular focus, and it's all good. Like, I was in my, as we were going through the episode, I was trying to think, like, is there anything in this episode that I see as a flaw? And I don't. And, you know, flawless means five out of five. I will say, though... If Fool for Love had been solely about Spike's development and his um, connection to these flashbacks, I would actually put Fool for Love over um, Darla. But it does suffer from having that little extra Riley subplot Mm -hmm. to it. And that, like, takes away a little bit from just the overall pacing and... um, Yeah pacing is probably the best word that I can come up with the pacing of the episode whereas you don't have any of those pacing problems in this episode it's kind of like how um, I've said this before I'll say it again Return of the Jedi Mm -hmm. if that movie had been completely as good as the first third of that movie was like all the stuff on Jabba's barges and stuff that stuff is gold Yeah, that stuff is fantastic Everything else in the movie, with the exception of the Luke and Vader stuff, which, I mean, granted, is a big part, but it is not the only part. Um, A lot of it is just kind of like, I don't really care. Like, I don't care about, like, really anything that happens on Endor, um, with the exception of maybe a couple of cool action sequences. And I really don't care about, oh, let's do another Death Star run. Mm -hmm. But no, like, if... If all of Return of the Jedi had been as good as the first third of the movie, that would be hands down the best Star Wars movie ever. I totally believe that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's got all that stuff that's dragging it down. It's yeah. got a piece of perfection in the midst of a bunch of like not-so-perfect stuff. Yeah. And I'll say the same thing for Fool for Love. It has got fan- everything involving Spike is fantastic. But it's got the Riley stuff. And I'm not even saying that because I dislike Riley as a character. I'm saying it because like it's just not that interesting. Mm-hmm. And I and every time I see it happen, even the funny stuff, I'm like, okay, let's get back to Spike now. Yeah. It's yeah, it is it is distracting. Like do I love Willow chomping on those potato chips? Yes. It's funny. It's funny. It's hilarious. But you're right though. It is it's not what we're here for necessarily and it's like i don't yeah yeah this episode frankly makes a better use of the supporting cast Mm -hmm. they are tied into what's going on with darla whereas it's and i love the supporting cast but the most important thing is that they don't get in the way of the plot yes yeah and whereas in fool for love you know, the, yes, the scenes, and, and you know, it, it, 
there's some stuff that depends. Obviously, everything with Joyce in Fool for Love. Obsessed with. I'm obviously obsessed with everything with Joyce. But also, it ties into that final scene with her and Spike. Like, it, it matters to the mm-hmm. story being told. Um, but the stuff, and the stuff with the scene with Giles, it, it is directly relevant yeah. to that stuff. It's the, the other Scoobies, it is extraneous. It is, honestly, it does feel like, well, they're regulars and they're getting paid regardless yeah. of if they're in the episode. So write them a fucking scene. Oh my gosh, man. What a two weeks it's been. What a two weeks it has been, both on the pod and in life, I feel like. Uh, well, Do you, like, does that... No, I'm not even going to worry about life. Let's talk about the pod. But, yeah. But no, I can I say, I think... Now, I love I Will Remember You. Mm-hmm. I love that episode. We gave it a five out of five. I'm pretty sure we both gave it a five I'm out of five. I'm almost certain we did. Um, and if I, we didn't, retroactively, yeah, like, what um, the fuck? But... I think we can all agree that uh, the episode that started that crossover, not good. Not good. Um, and the Jim of Amara stuff, while that was okay, overall, I don't think it carried the heft that this does. I think this is our best crossover so far. Ooh, okay. Okay. The one you haven't mentioned is, is The Faith four-parter right um, uh and i don't i i think i agree with you i think this is the best but i'm ooh, that faith so, stuff is okay. so good so the reason that i put this above the faith stuff is because it's more compact that's fair um it is four I, it, episodes it, it, it's a lot spaced out over yeah, it, several it's a weeks. lot and um it's like buffy buffy angel angel mm-hmm. as opposed to Buffy Angel. Agreed. So, um, and I think, uh, and while I love all of the stuff that happened, while I love most of the stuff that happens in, uh, in the faith, in the faith storyline, I just feel like the way that you're able to connect these two shows have two extremely good episodes, but then connect them in such a unique way. Mm -hmm. I mean, like in obviously the thing that have like the thing that connects all of those Buffy and Angel episodes in the Faith storyline is Faith. Yeah, this is a more a much more interesting connection in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, and because it's not even as we talked about, it's not even a traditional crossover. Yeah, it's the, our crossover is the flashbacks and the crossovers within those flashbacks, but also just like the themes of them. Yeah, which is really cool. It is. It, it, yeah, and it's. It's such a cool part of the Buffy verse mm-hmm. mythology. These four vampires being together. Yeah, and yeah, I you said it before. I want to see more of them together. We unfortunately don't see if much more of them together. But uh, if they today said we are doing a, a prequel show about Angelus, Spike, Drusilla, and Darla. Starting these four actors, I wouldn't even care that they're all way too old. Yeah, to no, no. I'd be like, fuck I, yeah! I, I would watch it until it got canceled after one season. Yeah. I would watch the crap out of I it. Agreed. Um, so, one last point I'll, I want to make before we wrap up, unless you have anything else you want to say before. No, I think we've talked but way too much. <laughs> this is... This is the last... It's not the last time we will have crossovers, like... We will see care. We will see 
characters popping in and back and forth between each show periodically. But this is the last crossover, like, event that happens. Unless I'm forgetting something. What about the, um, the end of Buffy? I wouldn't call that an event. That's, uh, that, that is, mm. It's kind of hard because <laughs> that, so as you all have noticed, we have been doing, um, for, th- for the last season of Buffy and Angel and this season of Buffy and Angel, we've been doing episode of Buffy, episode of Angel. That's going to uh, change. Because <laughs> that's how it works. However, for Buffy season six and seven, Buffy was on UPN while Angel was still on the WB. So they didn't necessarily air back to back. And so sometimes, including kind of an important crossover, air it out of order. Yep. And then we're, we are going to do them in the proper order. Not we are, of course. We're going to do things mostly how they aired until we don't. Yeah. So this is, I guess this is what I'll say. I, and I'm going to use like the Arrowverse as my, like, how I'm defining these two Geometric. different things. But, um, so I would not constitute an episode where Felicity shows up as a guest star on The Flash as a crossover event. Okay. It's a crossover in the fact that one character is appearing in the other show. Gotcha. So... But it's not like an event like crisis on earth x okay um whereas i would call this uh i i would call i would call basically all the crossovers we've had thus far like crossover events yeah but you know if for instance um because the the two there's connecting tissue between specific episodes of the two shows it's the spike in the gem of amara and oz uh in in that one it's faith it's buffy and angel in the pangs i will remember (laughs) you situation um and in this case it's the flashbacks from now on we will have we'll have characters appearing but it's never like it's not a shared story yes yeah um so yeah, Which I is do, fine with, with me. Like, I don't think that's... I'm not saying that as, like, a ding. It's like, well, they never do this again. Because mostly, logistically, they couldn't. Um, but, uh, so I'm just saying, enjoy it. Yeah. While you had it. Yeah, this is... And uh, and if this is our last one of Ooh, these, like, the least story. Yeah, what a way to go out. Way to go. And I also think that both shows don't necessarily need them as much anymore. Especially Angel. You know, the crossover events on Angel... They did three of them in the first season when Angel was still getting its wings. And they had to basically show, uh, oh, hey, you guys still love Buffy. You can love this show, too. Exactly. Um, Angel's yeah. growing out of that. It doesn't It doesn't mm-hmm. need Buffy to be its crutch anymore, mm-hmm. which is evidenced by the fact, frankly, that Angel, of its run spends three of its five seasons without Buffy as an anchor. I And I would, would have gone longer had it not been for certain individuals' choices that they made behind the scenes. I would, um... I would say that, uh... I would say that, um, also... It, it kind of becomes hard for Buffy to, um... 
crossover with Angel because I believe that Buffy is a we, we've talked about how obviously like the first three seasons of Buffy are the high school years. Mm-hmm. I would argue that Buffy season six and seven, the UPN seasons, are incredibly different from five and six or from four and five, which are like the big ones that had these crossover events. Oh yeah. So it's not just a problem for it's not just like a strange thing for Angel. It's a strange thing for Buffy too. Yeah. Um, we're getting into a weird era for both shows. Yeah. Sometimes for good and sometimes not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the joy of being fans of television. Yep. It's, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's That's not. A, we had a big discussion about just the logistics yeah. of yeah. Buffy and Angel crossovers. But, I, I mean, I, this was the episode to do it, mm-hmm. if anywhere. Um, so, yeah, Darla, great fucking episode. And I, I also just, we're in for a good span of episodes, I think, too. Yeah. Um, you know, the, as I've said... We're in both of my favorite seasons of the two shows, five and two. Yeah. Um, lucky you, you get two and five. <laughs> <laughs> you get to spread them out. I have to experience all this joy at once. Oh, so it's a bad thing to experience a lot of joy at once. No, I'm just saying that, like, I have to concentrate it all. You get to, like... You get to have more joy spread out over a longer period of time. I only have this one window of joy. <laughs> the great thing, though, is that uh, really the it there's really like no kind of like uh, bad part. Uh, maybe maybe four and seven might be the weakest part of of it for me. Weakest part of this for me. Um, but even uh, like, Angel season four, Angel Buffy season, season four, four, Buffy season seven. I I'm I'm uh, in the same boat. Uh, but, uh... There's still good stuff. Yeah, and, like, one could argue that because I don't like season four of Buffy so much that that was a rough time, uh, because Angel was kind of just getting its footing. But, uh, you know what? I'm enjoying this time. I'm, I've been loving the episodes that we've been doing. I think one of the great things about Buffy, and maybe it's just because it's a show I love so much, and Angel, um, so maybe there's a bit of rose-colored glasses on here, but I, I do think there's... Even the worst episodes have value in them. Maybe it's one line that's just particularly hilarious. Um, or or if it's where the wild things are and we just love talking about how fucking bad it yeah. is. Uh, well, listen. Where the wild things are gave us a shit ton of great Anya one-liners. It really did. And uh, Giles singing, uh, was it Behind Blue Eyes or Freebird in that episode? Uh, no one knows what it's like to be the blind. Yeah. Behind Blue Eyes. Behind Blue Eyes. So, like, I can't call that episode a complete wash because, like, it's terrible, but I got some, I got my jollies. Yeah. Um, I also recently, someone posted something on, I think it was Twitter, that was, that I was, and this is really me coming from a place as a writer, um, that I was like, oh, yes, that's that thing I've tr- been trying to articulate for a long time, but have never been able to figure out. It's like, at least for me as a writer, there's a lot of value in watching shitty movies and shitty television shows because I'm still learning from them. Yeah. It's, it's, it, the, the lessons I'm learning are, what not to do, but sometimes that's really valuable. I saw an interesting video um, from the YouTube channel The Take, uh, and I posted it on Facebook um, why classics are important because mm-hmm. there are a lot of like our generation, millennials, and the next generation, Gen Z, that are kind of moving away from classics and not really, and like 
thinking that they have no value. Um, but I like that this video kind of just does emphasize that. So as you were saying for not so great movies, like, hey, the classics are still worth revisiting oh, yeah. too. Um, Even if it's not your cup of tea and, you know, there's there's a lot to learn. Yeah. So, But I think uh, I think we've went on for a wow, long yeah. time. Wow, yeah. This is... Uh, you know what? I think this is... A, I really enjoyed the conversation. I have too. I, I, I'm feeling like I have... I know what... I mean, we're only like... We're not even halfway through. But uh, this has been one of my favorite episodes we've done so far. But uh, I think it's about time you take us out. I'm going to take us out uh, like one of my ribs so I can suck... Anyway. Uh, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. If you couldn't tell, the drink my husband made was strong. It really was. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, we will be back next week with Buffy Season 5, Episode 8, Shadow. Ooh. And this one is, it's, listen, we're going to be, hand, we're going to be spending a lot of time at the Sunnydale Hospital. So, yeah. All right. Um, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357 or on Twitter at plain old yamij. And I normally don't really have anything to kind of, to kind of like uh, promote. Self-promote. Self-promote. Yeah. Um, but uh, for those of you who are in the Louisville, Kentucky area, um, I am extremely fortunate to be in a what I think is going to be an incredible production of Guys and Dolls by the Mind's Eye Theater Company. And um, if you uh, if you're interested, you can go to Minds Eye website. That's Minds Eye E Y E uh, Theater Company, and uh, the show Guys and Dolls will be running um, the first weekend, the last weekend of February, the first weekend of March. Um, Friday and Saturday night shows at seven thirty, and Sunday matinees at two thirty. Um, and uh, if you don't. If you don't live in the Louisville area and can't come to see it, uh, fuck you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, appreciate the good vibes. Uh, this Sorry. is this has just been like a really fun experience for me, um, and uh, also it's been an interesting experience because everybody in the cast is vaccinated, but also everybody in the cast is masked. So that is like, if you've ever been in any type of theater, you know how like if you put a mask over your face. It is incredibly hard to get a lot of things done, but we are doing it, and it is coming together. I think this show, this cast has some of the best talent in Louisville, some of the best acting talent in Louisville, and I think we're going to put it, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, because like, I'm just in the ensemble, but I think that it's going to be an amazing show, and I'd love for you guys to come. Yeah. Um, I'll throw um, I'll throw the link in to Mind's Eye's website in, awesome. our, in our show Thank notes. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm stoked to see this show. I, I I had considered auditioning, um, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not in yeah, the performing place right now. I got you. No, but like the original auditions for the show were going to be March 2020. <laughs> Y'all know what happened yeah. to that. But I remember seeing that you had also like responded to like going to the auditions, and I was like, oh my gosh, I get to do a show with Harrison again. Yeah. Didn't turn out that way, but I mean, hey. The, but thank you for promoting. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because at the time I was in the middle of rehearsals for a show that didn't end up going up at the time. And uh, but anywho, um, 
I'm Harrison. Uh, I'm not currently performing in anything except for uh, dramatic monologues and arguments in my shower. Um, but if you want to find me on Instagram, that is Harrison Alexander Kaufman. And if you want to find me on Twitter, where I am either horny or mad, uh, that's Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The end is spelled out in all of those cases. And don't forget to rate and review us uh, on Apple Podcasts or, I, I guess, Spotify, but we're mad at Spotify right now. <laughs> um, uh, and subscribe to us um, wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we like to give a shout-out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting the Texas Civil Rights Project. In its 25-year history, TCRP has brought thousands of strategic lawsuits defending voting rights, fighting institutional discrimination, and reforming systems of criminal justice. Today, with dozens of high-caliber attorneys and professionals in Austin, Dallas, El Paso, Houston, and the Rio Grande Valley, and an extensive network of pro bono counsel and community allies, TCRP is among the most influential civil rights organizations in the Lone Star State. Visit www.txcivilrights.org for more information. Very nice. That was a lot. <laughs> hey, man, I'm here for it. All right. And as always, go slay. And be gay. Sub for Angel. <laughs> and Lila. <laughs> I wouldn't have hated if Lila were in this episode. <laughs> <laughs>